the game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Off the draw, sent in deep, because as you pointed out, Bobby, finished the year as a top six forward last year when the Oilers went to the playoffs. Dreisaitl set up by McDavid off the rush. What timer score, and that's two for Darnell Nurse tonight. Same spot, high glove, inside the post on Auntie Ronta. Two from Nurse, just what the doctor ordered as the Edmonton Oilers come from behind to beat the Arizona Coyotes 4-2 tonight. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 9.50. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Another horrible start to the game for the Oilers. They trailed 2-0 before the game was three and a half minutes old. Sixth time in the last seven games the Oilers have fallen behind at least 2-0, but playing the worst team in the league. They're able to rally tonight. Nurse Maroon, Nurse Nugent Hopkins getting the Oilers goals in that order. You can reach us 780-496-0063. We'll go to the phone lines right away and you know the, the the slow starts just plaguing the Oilers. Talbot got pulled two goals on three shots. Let's start, start with that beginning of the game Rob, I mean, what was going on that allowed Arizona to get the jump coming off their bye week where you weren't sure how they'd be able to perform? Well, I, I think maybe the others came in with uh, without the the right or proper respect for their, for their opponent. Maybe they thought it was going to be easy night. I know that we talked about it on our broadcast, and I'm sure they've heard it and know the, the record of teams that come off bye weeks that they, they struggle, and the others are thinking, all right, we're playing, you know, we had a good game last game, we're playing a bad team, they're coming off their bye week, it's not going to be that hard. And Arizona, the one thing that we've seen, they may lack talent, uh, but they work hard. And they just outwork the Oilers in the first couple minutes. There was a lack of communication in the Oilers' zone, misreads on plays, and all of a sudden, bang, bang, they're down 2 nothing. And the only good thing that happened was it happened early. Right. So the Oilers still had 57 minutes to get back in the hockey game. But if this isn't the Arizona Coyotes, if they fall behind to the Las Vegas well, Golden Knights. behind 2 nothing to almost everything. Yeah, lately. and you don't usually come back. So they were very fortunate tonight. The The opponent allowed them the opportunity to get back into the game. A lot to talk about. 780-496-0063. Logan was calling in right after the game ended, so we're going to get to him. Hey, Logan, go ahead. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I have a comment for Rob. My yep. comment is... The Oilers have found a way to win tonight, and they have the chances to really take control of the game in the second period with second period turnover on in the third period. They got to to battle tomorrow tonight against the Golden Knights. We'll see. Happy birthday to Carmen David. Right on. Thanks, Logan. You know, I, I think one of the points he made there was you would have loved to see the Oilers extended in the second period the way they, they'd taken it over in the first, but you also think Arizona's thinking, all right, got to settle this thing down. What did you see, Rob? Well, I, I saw the Oilers come out in the second, and, and they had a push early. In the first five, six minutes, they had a number of chances. They had all zone time. And I, I, I'm guessing, knowing Rick Tockett, 
on his bench. He's like, hey, guys, settle down. Let's bore this game down. Let's, we'll just don't give him anything. We'll just play a very uh, simple hockey game. And that's what happened in the second period. Neither team took any chances. And, and Arizona had four guys back. They didn't try to create anything. And it became a very boring, dull period which favors Arizona because they don't have the skill level to be able to match against Edmonton if you start trading chances. Uh, so the Oilers, yes, they could have extended in the second period, but, you know, give Arizona credit. They were much better in the second period after that five, six, first five, six minutes, and they got themselves righted because at one point it looked like Edmonton was now going to take off and they were going to score two, three, four, five in a row. Well, speaking of taking off, the jet engine was going tonight. And I and I will say this, Rob, through this tough stretch for the Oilers, just two wins in their last nine, McDavid has still looked dangerous mm-hmm. a, a lot of nights and, and creating stuff or you know that has been just missed or, or creating chances for himself. He gets two assists tonight and he, he was just cranking it up every time he touched the puck. He was. And the one goal that Maroon scored, that's all McDavid. And that was McDavid from outside the blue line. And he, I, I bet you if we went over the replay, he probably beat each guy on the Arizona Coyotes at least once on that shift. And eventually he attracts everyone and they forget about their men. And that's how Clefbaum ends up so wide open because his man had to leave and help out against McDavid. And McDavid just, he, he seizes the opportunity. When he feels two guys on him, he knows somebody's open. He finds Clefbaum. But yeah, you're right. That Connor McDavid, despite the fact that the Oilers have struggled as of late mightily, he's been the one bright spot each and every night. He's been dangerous. They, he hasn't capitalized or his line mates haven't capitalized, but the chances have been there. McDavid now up to 50 points on the season through 45 games. Al Montoya is the winning goaltender tonight. That's the first win for him as an Oiler. His second relief appearance. This one, pretty substantial. You play 56 minutes, 33 seconds. You don't allow a goal. You, you can't get credit for a shutout because he didn't play the whole game, but he stops all 19 shots that he faced. He has stopped 32 out of 33 as an Oiler. Clearly, he's our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Look, Cam Talbot's the Oilers' number one goal. Yes, he is. But you need to put Montoya in there tomorrow. I don't know if you need to. I I think I would. Um, Montoya came in and was excellent. He, uh, he settled the team down. He looked very confident and comfortable in net. Talbot's been pulled a couple times as of late. In, in the stretch before Nashville, he'd been allowing four goals a game against. I mean, and they weren't all on him, obviously. And I, it would be hard to even pick out more than one goal that you think he should have had. But the, the, the big saves weren't there. And then again tonight, too early in the hockey game, what could have happened afterwards? I don't know because he got pulled. But to me, if you put Montoya in, it sends a message to the team that we expect excellence, and we will do whatever it takes to win hockey games. And if that means putting a backup in to start a hockey game in a big game, we're willing to do it. Having said that, putting Talbot in, he's your starter, and you're playing in a big game against Vegas. It will not be easy to win. And maybe you're giving a Talbot a pat on the back, say, we need you now. So me personally, I play Montoya. Oilers take it 4-2. More of your phone calls in a couple minutes, but back to Gila River Arena, and here is El Montoya. Easy for a goalie to come in, you know, uh, just a couple minutes in, but uh, how do you feel you came in there and handled that situation? Yeah, I... Uh... It's been excited, you know. Been exciting. This team's welcomed me. I, uh, you see, they got a good team. So you want to just go in there and give them a chance. Uh, bounces didn't go our way right out of the gate, and a lot of character for this team. You know, the way we hung in there, battled back, got the two points. It goes a long way. 
more difficult is it to come in that early in a game than say halfway through a game when you've been? I don't know, but now that I've been around long enough, maybe it might be maybe easier to come in earlier. I don't know. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, you're probably sitting there, okay, Cam's yeah. the starter, Cam's yeah. going to play the game, and I'm going to be sitting here. Well, I just came off a warm-up, so I, I kind of felt like I was just warmed up, so went in there, didn't think about it, just play, have fun. So. A couple of big saves in the third period there. That's exciting. I mean, you want to you want to be on that end of it, you know. You, you see the way the team was dominating for most of the night, and and you want to get a chance to make your impression, and we and I did that, and, and they took care of the rest. Is it... Uh, when your goalie comes in, is he thinking so if I can't give up another goal? No, you're already, you're I don't, already down two, no, I can't. Not at all. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's stopping the ones I should stop and then maybe make one that I can't or I shouldn't, and that's it. If they score, they score, whatever. I mean, the team, like, like I said, the character in this room was, it was phenomenal, and, and even the way they were buzzing, I knew if one went in, they were going to get another one, so just focus on my game and play. So that's it. You made in the third period that those are the ones you shouldn't have yeah, sure, something like that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because you reached across there, the second one especially. Yeah. I, I don't really know how it happened to happen so quick, you know. So, And, and that's one thing I like. I, I move fast, um, given the opportunity to, and, and, and those are the plays you you don't think technical. You just think stop the puck, whatever it takes, whatever you can put in front of it. And that's, what do you remember about playing here, not too many games? Oh, what do I remember playing here? Wayne was my coach. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the coolest thing ever. So uh, my first game... Ever in the NHL was for Wayne Gretzky and, and the Coyotes. I, I had a shutout, and I still have the the statue at my house with the puck and his name on it. So that's my longtime memory here. That's Al Montoya, another memory of playing in Arizona tonight, this time as the visitor. Good game in net. He doesn't allow a goal to go by, saves the Oilers, and they rally to win at 4-2. Interesting uh, interview. I mean, pretty, pretty simple approach. Keep yeah. it out. Well, I mean, when you're the backup goaltender, it's a completely different position and situation than any other player in the league. I mean, he he's, he sits there, he's not supposed to play, and he only goes in when somebody's either hurt or if somebody's really struggling. So you have to have a different mentality. Usually the backup goaltenders are the best guys on the team. It just the, the, You have to have that kind of... In terms of the attitude. Yeah, and attitude. You just got to be a good guy. That And everybody always likes the backup goaltender. He's just a, a fun guy to be around. He's always positive, always uh, in a good mood, gets guys' uh, spirits boosted when things aren't going well. I think that's an important part of being a backup goaltender. And In my experience, uh, one of the best is a guy named Jamie McClellan. McClellan, he's just yeah. was a guy that everybody liked. And he was a backup for all these other great goalies. And it's easy to... to to, to like that guy, and he's got to keep everyone in a positive frame because he only gets to play when things aren't going well. Oilers take it 4-2 in Arizona, 780-496-0063. We have Stefan on the line. Hey, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Hey, how how you doing, guys? Yeah, we're doing pretty well. Good. Um, first off, um, I just want to know what your thoughts are on tonight. Um, obviously, it's a big win. Um, I love the post-game show. I like to listen to you guys after a win. I need to listen to you guys after a loss. So I'll just go ahead and say that. That's fine. Um, secondly, uh, big win, but I hate to be that guy, but once again, another, another lethargic start for the Oilers. Um, we've kind of become notorious for this. Um, it's no longer a coincidence. It's kind of become a trend, if you ask me. And I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on this because it has to change. Because like you said earlier, against a team like Arizona, you know, you're down 2 nothing. whatever. They're, they're going to they're gonna make mistakes. It's Arizona. But 
down the stretch, if we want to make the playoffs, this cannot continue. So what do you think is the reason we're starting off like this? Because I've seen it happen. Well, yeah, it's, all, all the time this season. Yeah, Way it has. Too much. It has been a big problem. I don't know if you heard the stat. I had six of the last seven games they've trailed at least two nothing. So I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty bad. Thanks, thanks for calling. We'll we'll address what you said, Rob. I mean, that's that's been an ongoing topic this year. There there was that little bout last year where the Oilers had nine or ten games where they allowed a goal or two in the first ten minutes. I mm-hmm. think uh, this year has has been rough. I mean, they got a first period goal today for the first time in seven games. So that's pretty tough, too, yep. that at best you're getting out of the period scoreless. Um, we've debated. I mean, you, you don't believe necessarily it's, it's the coach. Mm-hmm. Most current or former athletes I interview don't believe it's uh, on the coach, though sometimes I think the coach can step in a little bit. But the, the, players, the, the players have to be prepared and do whatever they need to do to be ready to face the opponent, but for the Oilers, too often they they haven't looked ready to do it. And it's not just this year or last year. It, it, it was it was a number of years in a row where the Oilers got off to slow starts. From my experience, teams that are skilled teams, which the Oilers uh, are want to they be, they believe they are. They anyway. believe they are. Usually, are slower starters because they they try to ease themselves into a game and, and try to decide what kind of game it's going to be. Where teams that are strictly hardworking teams. I mean, they've only got one way they can play, and they've got to work really, really hard. So they always start the exact same way every night. And uh, by the end of the night, their talent may not allow them to win a hockey game, but from front to back, they play the same style. Skilled teams, they'll see what kind of game is. Is this going to be a physical game? Is this going to be a game where speed? Is this going to be a slow game? What do I have to bring to the table? And eventually they figure it out, and that's when they start to turn their game on. And it's not right. But I think that's what I have seen in the past, and it's not just here in Edmonton, but around all the other teams that I've either played for or against. It's something that needs to be correct. And the good, skilled teams, the teams that are successful, are not like that. But these are the tweeners, the ones that think they're good, but they're not quite as good as they think they are. Yep. And they fall behind, and they don't have the ability to come back and win most of the hockey games. Yeah, it's definitely something that needs to, to change for, for Edmonton. Now, the, the two goals tonight... The first one, I mean, okay, lost face off off the crossbar right to the player. You know, again, you have to create your own bounces, but sometimes that happened. The, the second one to me was was a more concerning goal yes. because you've just given up a goal, and then in, instead of buckling down and saying, okay, let's get it back, or, or the, you're you're blatantly outworked and make mental mistakes uh, just over a minute after allowing the first one. And that one was on communication. Uh, the 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 best thing you can do in your own zone is talk. Because if you start running around, someone settles down. There's usually one guy out there that's very vocal, and he starts calling things out, and it gets you back to where you need to be. But on that play right there, Russell and Pugliarvi are chasing the same guy up the boards. And they have to know they're both doing it because they are shoulder to shoulder. Like they, they almost, Pugliarvi almost has to go through Russell to get to the guy he's trying to get to. And as they go up the boards, and a smart play by Keller, and he's a smart young player, he just kept pulling them further and further up the boards. So when he threw the puck down, it's now a two-on-one. And Clefbaum, I think it was the guy in front, has absolutely no chance. He, and Keller, the, the player comes out of the corner, cross-ice pass. And at that point, too, there's still got to be more communication. Offside winger, he's got to see what's going on. He's got to realize it. He's got to drop back. But no communication all at all on the play, 
and a little sleepy in their own zone, and all of a sudden you're down 2 nothing, which could have turned into an ugly night. Fortunately for the Oilers, uh, the Arizona Coyotes eventually turned into the team that they've been all season long. Arizona 10-28 at 6 on the season. The Oilers 19-23-3, and 7-2 against the Pacific Division. Uh, I mean, it's been a, this year of extremes for the Oilers, it seems, where you got these crazy the penalty-killing stats and all that kind of stuff. Seven and two against the Pacific Division. Now, two games have been against Arizona, but you still have to beat them. But yeah, I mean that's their only hope is that they play incredibly well within the division down the stretch. Yeah, but one of the games was against a four-string goaltender for the Vegas team, so I they have they have a lot of work to do, a lot of work. Uh, tomorrow, winning in Vegas will help make them feel good about themselves on a five-day break. I can tell you, you do not want to go into a five-day break losing. What would it be, six out of eight if they lose tomorrow to Vegas? That is not a feeling you want for five days while you're on uh, a forced holiday. So uh, they feel good about themselves tonight. They're playing another team tomorrow that's had a long stretch off. Hopefully you can catch them early. But the Vegas team that we saw play in Edmonton, that was an aberration. Vegas yeah, is a very good hockey better. club. Uh, Bruce McCurdy, who writes for the Cult of Hockey on the Journal, just sent me a message here. In the first 10 minutes of their 45 games, the Oilers have been outscored 29-8. It's not good. That's not good at all. Wow. And, well, well, that, Bruce. and it also goes to show you what their record is, because you and I have talked a lot. What it's the team that gets that scores first Usually wins. Usually wins two thirds of the time, yeah. roughly. So, and that's what the Oilers are doing right now. They're giving up goals and they're not winning. Oilers take it four-two tonight. They come back from a couple early goals against this evening. We have Tony on the line. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Tony, you're a little muffled. Are you... Can you... Yeah, I'm right here. Sorry. Okay, go um, ahead. I have a couple questions for Rob. Yep, so go ahead. The first question I have for him is, yeah, um, colors are number one, but for the next, I'd say, three or four games, including the whole break, would you give one player the start to maybe wake up our defense and have to tell them, you know, start playing around Talbot. He is our number one, and the only reason why he's doing as bad as he is right now, you guys aren't covering him. And the second one is, is um, what do you guys think of this stupid off week that every team has in the NHL? Okay. Well, Tony, yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob believes that Montoya, Rob would start Montoya tomorrow. I'd start Montoya tomorrow, yes. Yeah. But are you asking, do you think if that would wake up the, the defense or? Yeah, well, something's got to wake up our defense because it seems like once Talbot's in it, they don't play, the defense doesn't play. And then once Montoya's in, they're covering their butts like crazy. Like, should we be changing the, the goaltending just so that the defense will actually start waking up and say, okay, we have to cover Talbot, you know, he is good? No, uh, I, I would play Montoya tomorrow, but Talbot's their number one play, goalie, and he will play the majority going down. And Montoya's only played two games here, and when he goes... When Montoya goes in, it's because the starting goalie gets pulled. That's a wake-up call to the players, and they're embarrassed by the way the game started. So that's why they play a little bit better, because they were embarrassed. Um, going forward, no, you're not going to play Montoya a long stretch because his proven track record does not show him to be a guy that's going to carry you into the playoffs. Cam Talbot's proven track record shows that when he is on, he can carry a team. So uh, I, they can go with either goalie tomorrow. But, but they got Montoya because they think he can play more than LB, obviously. Well, no, I, don't. I think they got Montoya because they can sit Montoya longer, not worry about ruining LB's... Uh, well, I'll note all that too. But, that, I, that's, but I also think if they need to go to a backup, 
they know uh, yeah. more. They have more information on Montana. Yeah, I, I, I still don't think that's. I think they simply did it because they want LB to play. I mean, I, Talbot's going to play the majority of the games, and they don't care now. If El, Talbot played the rest of the season and LB sat there, that would hurt LB's. Uh, him yeah. getting better. They don't, they don't care. Montoya's a seasoned veteran. If he sits here for 15, 18, 20 in a row, fine with it. So uh, I, my guess is they probably will go with Talbot tomorrow, but I would go with Montoya. And Tony also wanted to know, we kind of talked about a little bit about this before the game. What do you think of the bye week? I, I would have loved a week off during the season player, when I played. Yeah, absolutely. I would have loved it. I, I, don't, I don't like it. Because it compresses the schedule. Well, it compresses the... But to me, if you're going to do it, I just wouldn't do it a week or five days before you get an all-star break, which is five days off. are going to come back and play three games. And then get another week week off. off. So to me, that's dumb because it defeats the purpose of giving players rest because they're about to get a rest again. It's actually going to be the opposite because now they're going to be too much time off in a short period of time. Oilers win 4-2 over the Coyotes. 780-496-0063. We have Rocket on the line. Hey, Rocket. Hey, Reed, Rob, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, right on. Uh, you know, I was I was thinking about uh, lacrosse tonight and how I used to always say, like, you know, when you get in the offensive zone and you're setting up a play and if it's not working, I always used to t- use the term freelance. And what freelance means is you become an individual when in lacrosse you have 30 seconds to get a shot on net, right? So right. you're a little bit more pressured than you are in hockey because, you know, you can cycle in hockey and you can kind of wear out the defense, yada, 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 in lacrosse. Uh, but, you know, it's you have 30 seconds to get a shot on that. And I used to always use that term um, freelance when you can. And I, I often wonder if this hockey club uh, is just so stuck on learning a system that they're, they're – you know they forget that you know they they can be make plays and and be individual and still stay within you know whatever Todd McClellan is trying to teach him right uh, so I just kind of wanted your thought on that and and if you think maybe they're they're just like playing way too tight um any coach I've ever played for and I'm pretty sure from talking with Todd and talking to the players their structure is mainly when they don't have the puck. When they have the puck, they can make plays. I think the one thing that they stress is they want more pucks to the net. They want more bodies in front of the net. They want more plays put towards the net for rebounds, for tips. But it's the same thing that every coach in the National Hockey League is calling for. I think that when his structure really comes into play is when you don't have the puck. Uh, Gamesmanship, don't pinch here. you got to have a high guy here. Which I, I don't think... I, I, 90% of the teams in the league play the exact same system. So just who executes better and who has better talent. There's nothing that you can surprise anybody by because everybody knows every type of system there is. So I don't. I think the right now they're too tight simply because they're somewhere where they weren't expecting to be. I think they uh, are a little dumbfounded where they are in the standings, and some of them are having just really, really down years and confidence levels are low. I don't think that's on the coach. I just think that's on this team underachieving and certain players underachieving incredibly. Oilers win 4-2 over Arizona. Two goals for Darnell Nurse. We have Matthew on line four. Good evening, Matthew. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, I was going to say that I think Al Montoya played really well, especially those two saves. I don't know who was on, but... Richardson like, and Martinuk. Yeah, those two. And also, 
uh, I think McDavid over this road trip and mostly since uh, the Christmas break has maybe like played the best uh, few games of like without getting very many points in his career. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think he's set up a lot of guys. He mainly had a breakaway in Nashville. He's taken the puck to the net. His speed is, as we know, outstanding. I would agree with you for sure. Yeah. Um, also, uh, do you think Nugent Hopkins has been playing as well as he did at the start of the year? Um, Probably since Christmas, not as much. No, but I think but he's I, in a long lump of guys yeah. that haven't. This team hasn't played well. I don't know. If maybe Nurse and McDavid have been the only two consistent ones over the last seven or eight games. Yeah. Um, do you think maybe Drysaddle could pick his game up too? Because he's. I don't think he's playing to what he was expected to be. Yeah, I think so. I, the thing with Leon, I think, Matthew, I don't think he's been checking as well as last year. He doesn't seem to steal as many pucks. And Shirelli made a comment in one of his interviews earlier this week that he thinks the contract is weighing on Dreisaitl a bit too. And sometimes guys have to work through that. I mean, we talk about, we've been talking about expectations all year long. So you go from your entry-level deal to $8.5 million. You know more is expected of you. Yeah. So That's just human nature sometimes to learn how to handle that. It's not just Leon that's gone through that. Many, many players around the National Hockey League have done it, gone through it, and it takes a while. Eventually, they get to where they want to be, and the confidence comes back. Matthew, thanks for calling. We're going to go back to Gila River Arena. Oilers win 4-2. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. It was over. It was uh, you know, well played after a difficult start, but a nice middle and finish. Yeah, it was. It's... Um you know, it's always fun winning, and when you haven't done enough of it, uh, to get one is is a, a good thing for us. Um, start wasn't actually the start of the game was okay. It was that next four or five minutes that wasn't real good for us. And I thought when Al went in, he settled things down for us, made some really good saves. The the one on Perlini in, in particular when he split the the D and had a, a real good scoring chance, so he gave us some confidence and we stuck with it. We kept pushing, and at the end of the night, we can leave with some smiles. Is this a perfect example of why you got Al Montoya proven in Dallas and even proven more tonight to have a veteran available to you if necessary? No, I think that's a, uh, a real good example of, of what he can do and, and how he calms everybody else down. And, uh, you know, he just goes in and relaxes. I thought he made some good goalie touches in behind the net to help us break out. He knew when to freeze pucks and, and get us the rest. And, um, you know, just a calming influence. So uh, the answer to that question would be definitely getting Cam out of there a wake-up call for your team and you didn't like the way he played? or wow. he, he had three shots on goal. One went off the crossbar. You couldn't see it, and the rebound went into an empty net. So I'm not going to hold that him accountable for that. And then the other one was a tap-tap two-on-one. So uh, this wasn't a pull Cam Talbot night because he was sleepy or not playing well. This was a pull Cam Talbot night to wake the group up and... Um, you know, I guess in that case it worked, but it wasn't uh, indicative of Talbs' play by any means. What were you thinking when it was 2 nothing? There's been so many games where all of a sudden you're down two in the first period, like thinking, what the heck? I, I think you just answered the question, you know, what the heck? Like, you know, we, we lose a face-off and we don't do a good job of, uh, of coverage. That's one thing that can happen, but the, uh, the D-zone mistake we made right after also hurt us. So, um, But... 
you know, we can dwell on those two goals for four minutes or we can accentuate the fact that we were resilient, came back and won a game. And, um, you know, people don't understand, I don't think, how hard it is to play uh, night in and night out. It doesn't matter where somebody is in the standings. This Coyote team has beat some real good hockey clubs lately and, and uh, they gave us everything we could handle. Will you play Al again tomorrow? Will we play Al again tomorrow? We'll talk about that tonight on the plane. Todd, in terms of a gut check, does tonight prove that whatever's in this group is still there and, and gives you confidence moving forward? Well, it, it proves that we haven't uh, rolled over and played dead, but I haven't felt that from our group at all um, throughout the whole year. There's been some tough nights where games got away on us, but for the uh, the overall presentation of... Uh, of what the players give us when they come to practice and when they prepare. I haven't felt um, anybody, any individual, and for that matter, uh, rolling over and playing dead. And uh, Tonight, they, they remain committed to it. And, um, you know, again, we're fortunate enough to come away with the win. All right, Todd McClellan, the Oilers rally from an early 2-0 deficit. They beat Arizona 4-2. Darnell Nurse scores twice, first multi-goal game of his NHL career. He equals his career high of five goals in a season. Also, Maroon got his 10th. Nugent Hopkins got his team-leading 16th. He was able to connect into an empty net late. 780-496-0063. Dave, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, to start off... Uh great job. I always learn something whenever I listen to you guys, so thanks for that. Cool, thank um, you very much. Uh, on a positive note, even though the team is in a pretty rough spot over the last bit here, I love the fact that McDavid is still on pace for damn near 100 points this year. That's kind of cool. Um, Rob, you, you played in this now. I was wondering if you'd give us a bit of insight. When you've got a team that's got this many guys who should be able to score all the time, and I think I think uh, Bob pointed out during the game, we're at like 2% over the last little while for actually managing to get the, the goals on the number of shots we're taking. How do you, how do you fix that? Well, you, you do a lot of things in practice that are just goal-orientated. A lot of tipping drills, a lot of rebound drills, a lot of shooting quickly drills. Um, then you get into the video part of it. You bring in, I know that when I was in Pittsburgh, if I went through tough stretches, one of the assistant coaches would bring me into a room and show me, you know, about a five or six minute video of me scoring goals. And then we talk about where I was on those goals, how I was doing it, where, how I was standing, where I was putting the puck, and then just make yourself feel good about it. Then you go out early in practice and shoot pucks. It's all about gaining confidence. I think the biggest thing when guys struggle is they start doubting themselves. And I've been there. When you doubt yourself, you start second-guessing every play you make. You start uh, double-clutching. You don't shoot as quick. You look for the pass first because you think that guy can do a better job than you when simply all you should be doing is just shoot, put the puck on net over and over and over again. Good things happen when you put the puck on net. So uh, it's weird that it's this many guys at the same time struggling because there's always guys over the course of the year that will have stretches where they don't score but there's always some other line or some other player picking them up it's really weird for an entire team especially a team that's got the talent the others have to have an entire team dry up like they have that stat dave was referencing in the previous eight games the oilers five on five shooting percentage was 2.2 percent you got to shoot a lot of pucks then to score goals, don't you? Yeah, that's no kidding. <laughs> they get the goals tonight, 4-2 over Arizona. That means a $100 donation 
to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give 25 bucks for every goal throughout the year. The total, now over $3,000. You can track it on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, we got Jerry on the line. Jerry, thanks for calling. Thank you for having me on. My question is, and you can both uh, respond to this, it seems like when I was watching hockey 10, 15 years ago, and they had the mics on the boards, you could always hear the hits. And in this game, I didn't hear too many hits. Well, you know what? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Jerry, and I said I said to Rob, that's the one thing that I miss about the NHL from, I don't know what, what time, you know, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago. There's not as many big hits along the boards and there's not as many bone-crushing hits in the neutral zone. Part of that is the head protection, where guys don't want to get suspended or a penalty if a guy gets injured. And I, yeah. I think, and I'll let Rob respond too, but I, I also think that, and this is just observation, observation and talking to people, the game, as it grows, becomes more technical, and if you go to land a big hit you're out of position. So you're right. There aren't a lot of those, I'm going to go finish a guy along the boards and really, really drive him because then your coach might say, hey, we needed you back-checking, not trying to finish a guy who'd already passed the puck. And there's also a fear because guys are faster nowadays. There were certain guys when I played that they were easy to hit because you had about (laughs) six or seven seconds to line him up and hit him because he wasn't going anywhere. Now with the speed of some of these players, you go to hit him and if you miss, you look dumb and you give up a scoring chance. So that's one reason a lot of teams are, are just built with speed now instead of built with big crushing players. I mean, there were some hits tonight. I thought Lucci tried throwing a couple big ones. Kajula, Kajula was a very – he had a physical game tonight. But players, A, are, are faster and don't put themselves in a position to get hit as much as they used to. And then the penalties and things like that. So you're right. I mean, it was one of the cool parts. And it also could be also they might have moved the microphones as well, too. I don't know. But, yeah, it's, it, is, it is a different game today than it was before. And there's, there's aspects of today's games I believe is better. But there's also aspects of yesterday's game that was more exciting to watch as well. Do you think that the penalties for hitting from behind and all that is a reason why we don't see that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, nowadays, I, I don't know. How, how old are you? I'm 58 years old. So do you have grandkids that play hockey? No, I don't have. Oh, okay. Well, I, like, I'm, I'm at the rink a lot with kids, and they all are taught nowadays. You know what? If a kid, if you see numbers, you see a name tag, you don't hit, which is smart. Yeah. You don't, for injury's sake. So all these players have been growing up with that for quite a while. And they know the dangers of that, and they know that it's taboo, and you don't hit someone from behind. So, yeah, back if you watch any of the highlights of the Oilers games of old, and you'll see guys getting driven face first into the glass all the time, especially the, the Flames-Oiler games. But they've right. taken that out, and now the, the danger there, and now the guys are bigger, stronger, that if they ever drove someone head first in the boards, that player might not get up. So, absolutely, the hitting from behind has taken a lot of the hitting out of the game. But it seems to me that... that they're trying to stick check along the boards, or they could just take the man out. They could just give him a shoulder check into the boards, and they could get help from behind. Yeah, you're right. It used, to, it used to be you pin a guy and let your buddy come and pick the puck up. That was always the way we were right. taught. Yeah. yeah, they probably they and they call a lot more holding now, yep. right? So if you get your arm in there, they'll they'll call you. Jerry, good point, buddy. Thanks for calling. Thank okay, you. right Fair on. Much. Oilers win four two. <laughs> 
tonight over the Arizona Coyotes. Come from behind victory. We have Bruce on the line as well. Bruce, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I'd just like to say I, I think the Oilers have a very good GM and coach. And I believe they have, obviously, McDavid. But I think they should just, this year, just relax. And... um move on don't make any especially with the GM and coach I I think that's the best thing about the Oilers yeah thanks Bruce we appreciate it well I th- he said they gotta relax and I think yeah. that I, I think they've I mean we've used words like frustrated rattled mm-hmm. um, you know doubt all, all those types of things I think have definitely crept into their game this season well this is a team that was you know one bad call away from moving into the final four last year the excitement that was in the arena and all that and I don't think any of them would have expected that they would be 20 points behind Vegas in the standings looking up at seven or well, how many teams 13 teams or 12 teams in their in their conference so yeah they, they probably would love to relax but looking at the standings each morning makes them frustrated. I think it's hard for them to relax. Face-off trivia winner was Craig. He knew that Charlie McAvoy joined Clayton Keller as American players on the World Junior All-Star team last year. Craig gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery. Brought to you by Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Avery and Lars are next up on the open line. We're breaking down an Oilers 4-2 win in Arizona. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Cousins, Richardson trying to follow up. He's got it coming off the right half boards. Wrist shot save, Montoya. And he'll squeeze it. A face-off will come to his left when we return. El Montoya solid in relief tonight. Makes 19 saves. He replaced Cam Talbot early as the Oilers fell behind 317 into the game. It was 2-0 for the Coyotes. Edmonton rallies, gets it done. A much-needed 4-2 victory. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Avery on the line. Good evening, Avery. Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, kind of a little bit of an observation, but a, more of a question at the same time, I guess. Like, I know kind of overanalyzing the game is a little bit of the lack of scoring but it's really hard to not even notice that it seems it's starting at the defense more than anything they're not carrying the puck up they're almost stopping at our own like on our own side by either an offensive four check or whatnot it just seems like it just stops right there from the lack of scoring then you look at a game like tonight where nurse like power right through even taking it right to the net himself is that something that more is being looked at heavier and heavier of even the dump and chase get it out of our area because it's just slowing down the offense well i think that's a good question avery i think we we sort of talked a little bit about this last game too about the oilers sometimes passing d to d and not getting it up ice is that the kind of stuff that bugs you too yeah it's 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 driving me nuts because you even it's almost becoming a normal play on the power play of Past well, that, that on the power play though, that's their that's their break in. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a set play, point. and a lot of teams in the NHL do it, and actually it's pretty successful for the Oilers when you get him with speed. When the Oilers are successful 
five on five, they're going north with the puck. If there's a turnover, if they're breaking out right away, they look up to the forwards. Where they find themselves in the trouble, and you see it, is when they start going east and west. Because the forwards are taken off, and then you passed your defensive partner. Now the forwards are up high. Now they got to come back, and it doesn't matter how much you practice it. Every time the forwards have to come back and regroup, it's never set. It's never the way they're supposed to. Someone always goes the wrong way. And now you've got one guy coming back, one guy going sideways, one guy staying up high. So, yes, and Bob Stoffer talks about it all the time. When Clefbaum and Larson play together, they always go back and forth two or three times, and the forwards just keep doing these loops right. in the neutral and zone. And that hurts. And then we yeah. talk about the Oilers being a slow team. That hurts Absolutely the, the pace of the attack, yep. regardless of how fast your players can actually skate. And well. it allows the defending team to get into their set positions. Right. Because now, 100%. when you're going across, now they're getting their set. And now, that's what they want you to do. Now they cut you off. And they just um, small make the ice smaller for you. Because now they're only giving you half the ice. Well, look at kind of the early 2000s or late 90s on how hockey teams used to kind of drive. It, what hap- it seems almost like it's a little bit of a lack. Defense are carrying it up, but why aren't they starting essentially with the, the offense right behind the net and just carrying it up themselves instead of allowing the defense to pass it between? It seems almost lacking in games of allowing that to happen. They want defense to carry it up instead. Well, I mean, you also got to give credit to the other team. The other team knows what they want you to do. Both teams are trying to dictate what happens on the ice. The offensive team's trying to set their plays. The good defensive teams, the well-coached teams, okay, this is what they're really good at. Let's take that away. Let's force them to do this instead. But when the Oilers are playing their best, they're getting the puck and quickly, right away looking up north, and they're trying to catch the other team in between forward and defense, and they're trying to catch their team with full speed. And the one person that was really good at that tonight for the Oilers was Darnell Nurse. Every time he had the puck, it was up north straight away. And he scored two goals as well. Also, the Canucks beat the Blue Jackets 5-2. The Flames have won six in a row as they take down the Panthers 4-2. Capitals score with 1.3 seconds left to beat the Hurricanes 4-3. Chicago wins on home ice 2-1 over Winnipeg. Your scoreboard for advantage trailer rentals in the WHL Moose Jaw beating up the Oil Kings 8-2. American Hockey League Chicago over the Bakersfield Condors 4-3. Canada West Hockey at Claire Drake Arena. U of A Golden Bears 5. Calgary Dinos 2. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. Oilers win at 4-2. Needed one more to get to the Japanese Village goal light. Whenever the Oilers get 5 in a game, we turn it on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you print up a coupon for a free appetizer. Three locations, Japanese Village, downtown Southside, Northside. Lars is online, too. Hey, Lars. Hey, Reed. How you doing? Hey, oh, it's good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, always a pleasure. Um, I uh, Every time I've had a question for you, Fast forward three or four years, you've been right. It's surprising how often you're right. He's always right. I, I he find, tells me that every day. I find that hard to believe, but thank you. No, well, <laughs> and you know, you know, I'm going to tell you, uh, Rob. I'm going to tell you a moment of stupidity on my behalf. For the for like a year, I thought it was Dave Brown who was sitting in, and I was like, why would they have Dave Brown? I mean, I love Dave Brown, but you know, he was just a scrapper. Well, I mean, he, yeah, he know they, they had to pick between which tough guy they wanted, and they went with me. <laughs> he, he could beat me up without even throwing a punch. I think I'd fall just as soon as he walks in the room. <laughs> but I, for like a year, I was like, that's. I mean, he's great at it. I think you do a great job. But well, thank you. Why would they have hired Dave Brown? That's so weird. Uh, <laughs> that's. I wish. I, I thought, you know what? That I, I appreciate the fact that I've never been compared to Dave Brown before. So I, I'll take that one. <laughs> no, it's just because I'm an idiot. Um, 
So I asked about Devin Dubnik, Devin Dubnik, like four years ago. I said, is, everybody talked about how good he was supposed to be, and he's he's a bum. And Reed said, you know, his pedigree is that he can be a great goaltender, and and it, I see him being great. And then we traded him away, and he was with Talbot performing the way he has been lately. Is this defensive breakdowns, or is he at, or is he bad? Like I don't, I didn't know which. You know, is it again a situation where we've got a goaltender who's, you know, his lifetime save percentage is like nine, nine twenty eight, nine twenty somewhere in there, and now it's never going to come back up to that, or or is this defensive breakdown? Yeah, to me, the beginning of the season it was on Talbot. I think Talbot had a very poor start to the season. Uh, he didn't play up to his uh, abilities. Uh, he was underachieving. I think he got it going and played very well in December and turned the, the, the season around at that point for, for the Oilers. After Christmas, a lot of it was defensive breakdowns. They scored, we, we counted, was it 20 goals that they had given up in five games, and there was one maybe he'd want back, and the other ones were backdoor tap-ins, uh, wide open net breakaways. They were just huge defensive breakdowns. Now, at times last year, Talbot made saves that he probably shouldn't have made, and the expectations that he would continue to do that we 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 saw that we hoped that it would keep coming this year, but the bar was too high from last year. So uh, I do believe that Talbot will get back to the player that he was. Beginning of the year he wasn't good. Middle of the year he was very good. And as of late, I just think defensively they weren't very good at all. All right, Lars, you're going to finish the play. We're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Jet Set Parking, park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Benning back at his own zone for the Oilers. Up the right-hand side, you've got Kara. He'll drop it for Latestu. Gains the line, chipped off his stick, and then Cassian followed up. Wrist shot, save made by Ronta. Just able to squeeze that against his right hip. All right, Lars, we got a chance there for Zach Cassian. With what OHL team did Cassian win the 2010 Memorial Cup? Was it Sarnia or Windsor? Windsor. Absolutely, buddy. Hang on the line, okay? Yeah. Lars wins, finish the play. Jason and Rob are up next. Oilers win 4-2. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. All right, your final tonight. Edmonton 4, Arizona 2. It's been a tough go for the Oilers since Christmas, just 2-6-1 in their last nine, but they are able to rally from an early hole and win tonight. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, our adjustment of the game, I'm just going to make it simple. They scored more than one goal in a game. For the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors, if it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. The Oilers with four goals tonight, they had scored four goals total in their previous six games. Tends, yeah. tends to make a difference. And it's a bit of a confidence builder. Hopefully they can carry that back into tomorrow night's game. Jason is on line one. Hello, Jason. Rob Reed, thanks for taking my call. I just want to say uh, everybody seems to be wondering kind of like how the wheels fell off this year. And I kind of have an idea of what I think happened. Like, I know like maybe losing Pouliot and Eberle isn't like you might say, well, that wouldn't make too much of a difference. But like, and then you add Hendricks in there. Like our bottom six has done nothing this year. Like nothing. You you look at like Cassian and even like even Latescu in my mind, just you know, five on five, they're not even creating scoring chances. So I think if you if you took Hendricks to nine goals that he's got, Pouliot's got ten, 
I mean, that's that's, and then Everly's got what fifteen. Yeah, but Everly wouldn't—he wouldn't be a bottom six guy though. Everly, he'd be on your top no, two you're lines. Right, though, you're yeah. right. I'm just—I'm just saying. You—you you take those three guys off our line. That's on Shirelli, right? Yep. And then, and then, I, I don't know, like, what's going on? Like, why defense that are don't work out on Edmonton work out on other teams like Osterley and Schultz and Petrie? It's like, imagine if we still had Schultz right now. He's exactly what we're, we're lacking. Well, his right? speaking of confidence and being rattled, I think that was a big a big thing for him, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. he'd be he'd be nice on this team. i, I got to be honest with you, it, Jason, I didn't see it with Osterley, and, and I do, right. I'll caution you there because it's kind of been a three-week spurt for him. Uh, yeah. but, but, but good for him. Yeah, yeah, and the one thing I've said: if if Everly made four million dollars and Pouliot made two, they'd both be on the team. Yeah, well, and you know what's funny is if you look at Ottawa, I mean, they're they're kind of in the same boat we are. Like, no one can figure out how we could be do so good last year, and we're the exact same team. Well, Ottawa's the same team. Well, it, to me, it, it's simple: it's it's Canadian teams with expectations. Right. It's hard. I think when when you're a Canadian team and you are there's, the expectations aren't high. It, it, it's the best place to play because yeah. everyone's behind you. And if you lose, it's okay. They weren't expecting anything. Yeah. If you're a Canadian team with expectations and you're not reaching them, it's incredibly hard Trouble. to play in Canada because the well, pressure's there, the, the media, the fans. It's 24-7, yeah. and it's tough. And when you yeah. struggle for an extended time, well, and you, you heard Jordan Everly talk about it, it's, it, it's a tough market to be in. And when they get on you, as they did with Schultz, they did with Everly, you, you almost had to move them. To because they were a shell of who they were before. And then once they're gone and they, they get to just be themselves again, you see how successful they can be. Darnell Nurse scored twice tonight back to Gila River Arena. Here's number 25. Yeah, I've um, found a way to uh, to get two there, and um, Leon made a great, uh, great pass. All I had to do was hit it, so um, it was good to... Uh, Still let a slap shot go a couple times in um, A rocky start again. I mean, what were you thinking? Okay, geez, how many times can we be down 2 nothing in a first period? Yeah, it was nice to see us uh, be resilient and come back. Not, uh, no, it could have been easy for us to say, here we go again. And uh, that wasn't the case. We, we continued to play, um, make plays. And uh, once goals started to go in, we just uh, you know, continued to play and then found a way to win the game. And that's uh, a big step for us. See about Montoya coming in? Yeah, he was, uh, he was huge, made some big saves, uh, especially down the stretch there in the third period. Uh, when when they had uh, a couple good looks, he was, he was there to, to shut the door, and it was, it was great to see. They were easy coming in that early in the game. Either You're probably thinking, okay, Cam's going to be playing the game. I'm going to be sitting there for a while. Yeah, and that, uh, that's a testament to, to him and, you know, being engaged in the game the whole time and, and uh, you know, just uh, being ready to step in whenever, whenever called upon. The start was that you guys just weren't on on top of your game, or did they force the issue? Our start wasn't good. That's it. At, yeah, at times, did it feel like a home game? Because I think there's more other fans there than usual compared to what we've seen in the past. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to see a lot of uh, orange jerseys out there in the crowd, and uh, hear a couple of goalers go chance. So it was uh, it's always fun when you're in a way building. You get to hear that. Darnell Nurse, two goals tonight. He's up to five on the season. Leads the Oilers past Arizona 4-2. Rob's going to be on the open line when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. 
Now, from the Osman Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. But now the Coyotes are on the attack here. Let's see how the game changes. Richardson jammed it in front. Couple chances. Montoya got him with a right pad against Martinuk. It's the fourth line created a couple of gorgeous looks, and Montoya was fully splayed out. Two great saves by Al Montoya with the Oilers leading by a goal with about 13.45 left in the third. The Oilers would add an empty netter from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and they beat Arizona 4-2. We have Rob on the open line. Rob, you're on with Rob and Reed. Evening, gentlemen. A couple questions. The way Darnell Nurse is playing and the way he's progressing, do you think he could be like a pronger protege? Ooh, well, mean, that's pretty I mean, you're, talk, you're talking about a Hall of Famer in Prong who carried, how many teams did he take to the Stanley Cup Finals? Three? Yeah, he went with Philly, Philly went with Edmonton, Anaheim, went yeah. with Anaheim. So, and on, the, on yeah, his back. with St. Louis. Yeah, so I mean, I, Darnell is playing well, and I think he's exceeding a lot of expectations, but I think we're a long way from comparing him to like a, a Hall of Fame Hart Trophy winning defenseman right yeah, now. Yeah, let's let him keep growing, I think, yeah. And tomorrow night's game, do you think um, Montoya starts instead of Talbot? I, I, I put Montoya in. I, we, both Reed and I agree with that. We put Montoya in, but Bob would put Bob Talbot. and Jack both agreed. They said they would both put Talbot in. Uh, we're I guess the deciding Does, vote yeah. will go to Coach Todd. As usual, Todd, <laughs> what would you do, Rob? I'd put Montoya in. Talbot looks off. Yeah, uh, I, he's looked off all year. You know, he had some good spurts, but. You know, he seems like he's down in his butterfly more than standing up compared to last year. So to me, he just to me, seems off this year. Yeah, to me, it's just a, a signal to the rest to the team from the coach saying, you know what, we will do whatever it takes for us to win. And if that means playing in a backup who's only just gotten here to do it, then I'm I'm willing to roll the yeah, dice. Yeah, they need that. to win. I mean, yeah. we we can talk about the mathematical probabilities all we want, but for the players, it's game by game. There's two just points win a available. Game. Yep. We get two, we're maybe closer to, yep. to catching up. Rob, thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate it. So here's what we're gonna do. Uh, are you you're not here tomorrow? I am not so here. People tomorrow. are stuck with just me after the after the game tomorrow. Lucky people. Well, yeah. I heard right. earlier tonight that you're never yeah. wrong. So, warning for tomorrow, I will not be able to answer the you played in the NHL questions. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it. You could be like, if you have questions about working in Lloyd Minster or liking Def Leppard, I can answer those. But yeah. Def Leppard, eh? Not that you played in the NHL questions. You like Def Leppard? Four and a half seasons together. I've never told you I like Def Leppard. I didn't know that. We, We don't talk a lot of music. Well, that's true. We don't. I got. I got to tell you my story. someday I'll tell it on air. The story about going to see them in Chicago this summer Ooh. and the the transportation hell getting to and from the venue. Where was it? Which venue did you go to? It was. Uh, it was at Tinley Park, yeah. south of Chicago, yeah. at Amphitheater. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. There's no public transit. No. There's reasons why there's no public transit. There's some bad areas that you go through down there. If you're going south side of Chicago, well, what was it was out of the city though. Oh, like it was like okay. A, oh, okay. It was like not a provincial park, I guess a state okay. park or a regional park or whatever. Because south side of Chicago, that's the one that. No, don't worry. I was yeah. not walking around the yeah, no. streets. Well, of you, south side you of wouldn't Chicago. be sitting here right now talking to me had you been. <laughs> All right, so Rob, have a great weekend. I'm sure we'll be in touch next week. So yeah, see you when you rejoin us next Saturday. Sounds Game good. Tomorrow, and here's Switch Six Two Five, an instrumental by Def Leppard off High and Dry. Uh, <laughs> I can go do a late night Def Leppard show on CJSR when I'm when later in my career. Or maybe I could moonlight. 
Uh, 6.30 face-off show tomorrow. Game's going to start at 8. Oilers against the Golden Knights. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. 4-2 Edmonton wins tonight. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy. He's our studio producer. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. We're coming up to 11 o'clock. Have a great evening.